0: Consider the following and some of the results you will hardly believe.
1: Hello everyone, welcome. This is ICEPS alumni podcast. We're coming back to you now in a, in a post-COVID age. Um, I'm here today to speak to an alumni I've actually met in person. Her name is Lucille Simon. She studied abroad on an ICEP semester program in 2015 going to Loyola University in New Orleans from uh, University of La Havre in France. Um, She did some really exciting things after her ISET program, and I actually had the privilege of meeting her in person. Um, We're going to talk, as we always do, about the past, about what she did on her program, why she studied on it. Then we're going to talk about what she's doing now. um, And then we're going to talk about what her plans for the future are and uh, see if she has any advice, any insight, just sharing her story, so you get to know your your fellow ISET belongs. If you hear drilling, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will try to I will try to mute that, if possible. I am uh, I am having uh work done on my house right now. All right, welcome l- welcome Lucille. Hello. Thank you. How are you today? Thank you for speaking us speaking with us.
0: Um, Thank you for asking me to do that. It's a real pleasure to talk English again. It's been a long time, I have to admit.
1: Yeah, I think the last time we spoke was two years ago, or?
0: Mm, Yeah, it was 2018 in Washington, D.C.
1: Washington, D.C. Yeah, and you were on a very cool program working Mm -hmm. in the U.S. House of Representatives, I believe, and as part of another exchange, not affiliated with ISAP, but... Um, before we get to that part, I do want to talk about that, that program you did, but um, can you tell me some about why you chose to study abroad in the U.S., and how you ended up at Loyola, Loyola New Orleans, and how you found the program?
0: Okay. Um, so, for the third year of bachelor's degree in France, we have the possibility to go abroad. And we mostly have the possibility to go to the UK with the Erasmus program. And once one of my teachers talked to me about the ISAP program that I I didn't know of. And um, I knew that I wanted to study abroad, but I mostly wanted an American experience. And I knew that I wanted to go to the US because I went there first with my family in 2007 and I totally fell in love with Florida and I wanted to go back there. And once I got there, I was, I was like, yeah, this was the experience of my life because um, when I choose Loyola University, um, it, it was pretty easy to choose for me because I wanted something similar to what I've experienced with my family, a hot state pretty humid, and I wanted to see alligators, and I wanted to just like the American experience I, I had lived in Florida, um, so, and my father is a musician, he's a jazz man, and he told me, ah, you know, there, there are some nice spots in the US, New Orleans isn't bad, if we come to see you on holidays, it will be nice to go there, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm fine with that, so I found Loyola University. And on the, the ranks of the ISEP universities, you have universities you have more chances to get than others. And Loyola University was pretty accessible, so I put it on the first choice to make sure I, I would have it. Um, and my university in France didn't want me to go to Florida because we had some bad experiences with some universities in, in Florida, and they didn't want it to be a holiday. They, they wanted they wanted this this experience to be... Real, real school, real work and a real semester in a, in a country where, in a state where I could learn things, even though I was pretty sure I could have learned things in Florida as well. But this is another debate. <laughs> um, so I, I, I went to Loyola and I took four classes. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about the classes now or if you have yeah. other questions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, So
1: yeah, what were the academics like? uh, And what were you studying in France for your for your bachelor's too?
0: Um, I studied English, actually. So I studied English, uh, Anglo-Saxon literature, Anglo-Saxon history. And I had uh, linguistic classes, everything in English. But I had, uh, I had classes in American English, Australian, uh, or British English with a lot of different teachers from uh, different, not necessarily, not necessarily countries because they were mostly French teachers talking English, but I had different perspectives from the In- Anglo-Saxon world, I can say. Um, so I, my, my teachers and the director of my university were not very exigent on what classes I would take there because they knew that anyway, I would come back mm, close to bilingual. So I took four classes. I took um, jazz in the US because I loved music and I've played music and I wanted to learn more about all the, the, the jazz um, heritage you have in New Orleans. Um, I've taken American literature uh, and a feminist class called Women in Music, the greatest experience I've lived because you, have, you don't have feminist classes in France at all. Um, and I took German. Uh, I took German because I had taken German for 12 years in France. Um, and it was like the continuity of my classes. And I just wanted to see how it was taught in another country.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, come to the United States and take German. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that was cool, actually. That was cool. Um, well, it was like a beginner's class, so it was really, really, really easy. But I, I did it on purpose. I was like, okay, I'm going to take super easy class, so I won't have much to do, and I'll be able to enjoy just the rest of what I want to enjoy. And that was, okay. that was a good choice.
1: Yeah, the the jazz class sounds really cool. I didn't know you you pl- you play an instrument. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't anymore because I had to study, and it took a long time. I mean, it was taking too much time to 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 do to to study music, but I have played the flute, like tra- transverse flute. I don't know how you say that in, yeah, for ten years. Um, and the first, well, the first class I took was not American literature. Actually, it was um, African American theater. It was great, but my level of English was too weak at that time, and it was too hard. So, like two weeks later i asked my teachers to change and the um, the teachers in New Orleans to change everybody agreed because they, they they knew that i was not able to read like 400 pages a week of something i didn't understand at all yeah. so um, that because the amount of homework in the u.s and the amount of homework in france is totally different like totally totally different in the u.s i had like pff, four hours of homework a day it was like it seemed horrible to me because in France, in in the univer- at the university, you don't have homework because you pretty much do everything in class, but you have like thirty five hours of classes per week instead of sixteen in the U.S. So that was a big change, but that was great. And I basically took all the classes I wanted.
1: That's so cool. Uh, did I did you get to go to to live performances for either the feminist musician or the jazz class? Sorry. Did you get to go to live performances for either of the...
0: Fem- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially for um, jazz class. You had like two or three mandatory shows or concerts to, to see in, in, such, in such amount of weeks. And I think I had to go to four, four different concerts during the semester. And then you have to make a report on how many musicians there were, what kind of music music this was, uh, which were the references and everything. That was really historical. And at the same time, this was real music. This was not only studying like uh, Miles Davis or whatever. This was really studying real shows and real music and real musicians in New Orleans, which was fantastic, really.
1: Cool. Yeah. so uh, my, we we can talk about academic. I, those classes sound really cool. I would like to take those classes, but I also want to get a sense of just the city of New Orleans. That the impression it made on you. Can you talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's the that's the city. Well, I didn't I didn't hear much about it before getting there, apart from the jazz and African American heritage. Um, but when we got there, the only impression we first got as international students was, okay, this is one of the most dangerous cities in the world. Uh, don't go to Troy not don't, don't go to that neighborhood, don't go out on Halloween. Um, so this was a bit scary at first. And then we went to the French Quarter and Bourbon Street, and it was not scary at all anymore. <laughs> this was just fun. And this was just like, this was incredible. And we could go to nightclubs and it was actually real musicians playing. It was not just fake music or whatever. Um, and you could just go in the street and try five different kinds of food in the streets and meet people from all around the world. And the the, the multiplicity of people and of heritage and was incredible. And I didn't, I didn't imagine I would find such a multicultural place when I would get there, because this was not at all the America, the American experience or the America I knew uh, that I had first visited. This was African American America. This was Latin, Latina America. This this was a lot of different things, and there were actually a lot of Europeans coming to study there as well, and I yeah I encountered a lot of Latinos and European people who became my friends out there.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, New Orleans is not like any other city in the world, um, no. and it, it's for a citizen of the French Republic to come to New Orleans must be an interesting experience because there is a little bit of French heritage, but it's mm-hmm. so it's so uniquely North American. Um,
0: yeah, but that uh, that's actually surprising because when you when you want to because as a French you want to see who are the Cajuns you want to talk with them, and in the end when you talk with them, you cannot understand their language. Like Cajuns have their own dialect, and it's like people in Quebec um, they have their own. But we understand people in Canada. We cannot understand people in Louisiana at all, like really. And they were super proud to talk with us, and were like. I'm sorry we're going to need to talk English because i don't understand anything
1: that's also true for english speaking the the the, the Cajun accent when they speak english it's it's very yeah, it, yeah it's almost impenetrable yeah
0: oh that's true that's true <laughs> <laughs> did you so,
1: so did you actually get to go to the bayou and see alligators like you had seen in Florida yes yeah. that's
0: one of the first things we did with my family actually because my family came with me the three the first three weeks. And we we rented ho- uh, different houses to visit the whole Louisiana, but outside of New Orleans, there aren't many many things to do actually. So New Orleans was great. The rest was kind of awkward sometimes, where we didn't have anything to do apart from going to the bayou or see the alligators. Actually, so yeah, we did. We did. What
1: What about uh? What about the food? I mean, that's. Something that New Orleans is famous for. Uh, a French person coming to New Orleans maybe has different standards than a U.S. person. I'm assuming it was a lot heavier than you're used to. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, so I could I could divide this food part into into two different parts actually because um, you had the food on campus, which was totally what we imagine of American food. You had uh, like it was unlimited plan and for $12 you could, you could eat both hamburgers, pizza, you could have uh, pancakes, you could breakfast and lunch and take your dinner at the same time. There were so many things but really fat and not necessarily super healthy. And I have to admit that the fruits and vegetables I tried there were not what I expected. I, I, won't say, I won't say something mean because I don't mean to, but I mean, I took a lot of weight out there. <laughs> uh, and then you, when you went to, when I went to New Orleans, uh, downtown in Bourbon Street, you, can tr- you could try pool boy. I tried gumbo, I tried jambalaya. Um, crawfish a lot of different things which are actually more refined or or completely different from what you expect uh, of American food and which were great so we did eat a lot of po'boys in Bourbon Street at night (laughs) and that was nice that was a nice meal yeah yeah
1: I, I love New Orleans food We can talk about your experience in New Orleans more if you have any other thoughts, but I, I'd also like to talk about what you did after after um, your ISEP experience, because you went on to get a master's.
0: Um, so I went back to France for my first first year of master's degree, because in France, the studies are divided into two parts, like in the US, but differently. In France, you only have three years of undergrad and two years of master's. Um, and for the first year of master, I, I studied um, something totally different from all the rest I've done. It was um, Aboriginal literature from Australia. So I studied a lot of uh, child literature of Aboriginal women of Australia, and I did a, a research on that for a year. Um, and then when I met someone who talked to me about... An, French-American master's degree in my region, in Caen, not in, in Le Havre. Um, so I, I was a candidate, and since I was nearly bilingual, th- thanks to New Orleans, they, they accepted me right away, even though there were like other, maybe not thousands, but maybe two or three hundred uh, other candidates, and they saw the way I talked English, and it was a real plus on my curriculum, contrary to other people who were more... Um, because it, it was business. It was uh, French-American commerce. I never studied finance. I never studied any, any of this. But um, as I spoke English and I wanted to have American teachers, they accepted my curriculum as it was, even though I was pretty horrible in finance, I have to admit. <laughs> But it it, it was nice. And then thanks to this master's degree uh, in French-American affairs, I had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. for four months uh, for an extra semester. So it was like a a sixth year of study, even though it didn't have any equivalent, like official. Um, And I was ambassador of the project Normandy for Peace, at the capitol uh, at a, um, not a senator it's a, it was a representative's uh, office um, it was a crazy experience because i encountered a lot of people you will, you would never think you would meet in your life like really one day I, I was in the corridors of the of the of the capitol like below the capitol and i i faced my pants and this kind of people, you know, you'd never, you would never thought you would meet. And um, I didn't choose the representative uh, I, I was with, I worked with, um, but it was especially for the project to represent in his office the project of Normandy and represent Normandy in the capital. So yeah, and thanks to this experience, I even went uh, bowling. I don't know if you say that, bowling. Uh, at the White House,
1: yeah, Bling.
0: which was cool, <laughs> <laughs> which was really
1: cool. <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. I I met you like a week before you left, I think.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was in
0: December. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and it was so interesting to hear what you had done, uh, and yeah, um, I believe a, U- a, a US student goes to um, goes to the French Parliament, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It was like an exchange. Um, the, uh, someone from California went to the um, Assemblée Nationale, and I went to the capital.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, so we, we, we didn't catch up before we went on air, so um, maybe you can tell me a little bit about what you've been doing since then. I know you're back in, in France, but I'd love to hear about what you're doing.
0: Um, I'm doing something that has nothing to do with all of what I've done, once again. <laughs> uh, I miss English a lot, by the way, because I don't talk English anymore every day. I don't have a work related um, to, to English or to my French-American studies. Because when I went back to France, uh, it, it was hard. First, it's, it's been really hard to just, like, go back on earth, go back on real life. After all you had been through, all you've lived for five years during the studies and I was just telling myself, okay, I've studied five years, nearly six, and now this is done. I have to work. <laughs> I have to work. No, I want to study again. I want to still study. And finally, I found a job related to, to my studies. So I, I was in a, in a company from Normandy selling madeleine which, which is like a biscuit. Uh, and I had to... to um, Export the product to the U.S. and to South America, and I realized that I hated it, like really. I didn't want commerce, I didn't want business, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to talk English, but I did not want to 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 work in business. Really, that that was not my thing. So I was so disappointed with this experience that I felt that I needed to find a job, um, in which I could know why. I wake up for, like every morning I want to know that it has a sense for me, that it, it has a meaning for me. So I found uh, an association, um, which is a French association divided into different clubs in all the regions of France. And it is called the Fondation Agir Contre l'Exclusion, which means uh, the foundation uh, acting against ex- any kind of exclusion. So there, uh, every day, I build feminist projects to be able to have more students in aeronautics, in informatics, or in automobile, in all these kind of very masculine um, work, jobs, basically. Uh, And I work with different secondary schools to be able to help students to find their ways, to find orientation, to find to just know what they want to do later. And I'm working a lot on educational projects and we also have employment projects and precarity projects, but I'm working mostly on education, which was basically what I wanted wanted to do before my American experience. I wanted to be an English teacher. And I think I'm going to be a teacher, but later I just want to have other experiences first. I don't want to, I don't want to be like a student and then a teacher. I want to see something before that.
1: So, so at the foundation, do you think that you're even though you're not teaching English right now, do you or even talking about jazz or any of the academics you use? Do you think that your experience on ISEP impacts what you do now? Does it influence you in small or big ways? What do you what do you think?
0: It does a lot because, like, first I had feminist I had feminist classes and. I know that when I'm building my projects, of feminist projects, I do not hesitate to come back on my feminist classes I had and try to find some examples because it was women in music. So for instance, if you want to talk about uh, Beyonce, for instance, and say how feminist her, uh, her musics are or whatever, you can take those examples who talk very much to those girls nowadays as well. So I do, I do take a lot of things. I will, because we're we going to start those projects in September. So I will take all of these examples for my classes as well, because I will teach myself those classes to, to the students. And generally in France, when, you, when your studies are done, you take about eight months to a year to find a job. It took me a month, less than a month, to find my first job. And while I had my first job, I found my second job that i wanted to i wanted to leave the first job to, to get the second so my first experience as i in icep and then in washington incredibly influenced my curriculum because people were were like okay she is she she was 20 she was 19 and she left on her own on the other side of the world she didn't know anything she didn't know the place she didn't know the language and that's exactly it and then I have lived this experience where I had to, to be like a legislative assistant, which is a great work and, and not necessarily an easy work. It was easier for me because they were very kind with me because I was French, but, but still, uh, it gave me a lot, a lot, a lot of credibility and people were, and I'm still, sometimes I still don't believe it, that I've lived all that in such a small amount of time. But uh, it gave me credibility and people around me were kind of impressed.
1: Lucille, did, did, hiring, did people hiring you tell you this, um, like that your experience? Because I think maybe the French val- value international experience more than the average American hiring person does, um, or at least are able to articulate it better. But I- I'm just curious how they framed it to you.
0: How do they, how did they frame the fact that I had an international experience?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: My, uh, actually the director I have now, I didn't, I didn't really candidate for this job, but he came to me because of this experience, because I was on LinkedIn and we met through LinkedIn and, um, he actually sent me a message telling me that my experience was great and that uh and then i i asked him what he was doing and i told him okay your job and the association you work for or your that you are creating uh i'm interested in that so how can i send you my curriculum and he told me okay send me your curriculum i sent him and 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 then that was it basically so the incredible thing is that this boss I didn't come to him, but he came to me, thanks to this experience. And we, we didn't really talk about it for about a year. And I don't know, like five months ago, he told me, but you know, when you were a candidate, uh, I knew anyway that that was you because I came to you first. Uh, but also when I saw you, your experience totally linked with what we're doing today, uh, I, I found it super interesting. So um, we talked about a bit and he told me that anyway, even though my classes, the classes I had at at the university were totally different from uh, the, the world of the association, the world of humanitarian things or whatever. He told me, you've learned so much, so quickly and so many different things that you are adaptable. You can adapt to anything, you can learn anything, you will learn fast, you will, and you can, even though it takes time, you could do anything and that's how that's exactly what he told me and that's that's actually impressive the way the 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 dir- the firms directors come to you and see things you've done you would not you would not imagine it would give you all that all this experience would give you all that but it's the director who told me okay you've done that so you're able to do that and then you're able to do that and that that you wouldn't imagine well you wouldn't imagine.
1: That's that's, in, that's extremely impressive. I'm really glad that <laughs> your director told you that. I mean, that's like, uh, that's kind of the perfect example of the impact that international education can make, not just in terms of a career and getting a job, but like, you're actually doing the thing that you want to do now, as opposed to the business thing that you didn't necessarily enjoy doing the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... In terms of what's going on right now, if you're listening to this podcast in the future, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, I hope that you and your family are well, Lucille. Uh, are you working from home right now? Is, are, are you um, out of quarantine? I, I'm, France is handling this much better than where I am right now. So um, I just hope you've been doing well uh, for now.
0: Um, so I'm working from home, but I've actually always worked from home. Uh, in this job. We are five people in this association for now. We're going to be 26 in, at the end of the year. It expands real real quick because it works and it's it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But I am working from home and I'm going to start working in uh, offices with people who are going to work with me to help me on some projects. Uh, they're mostly going to be students um, working with me and helping me on projects. Uh, But we're going to be in offices in the firms we work with because we are in associations and we have a lot of different enterprises who finance our projects or who are working freely for us who are, I don't don't remember how you say that voluntary. No.
1: Contractors.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And so they're going to, we're going to do that and, and that we're probably going to have offices in some of the firms we work with. That's and great.
1: Yeah. Lucille, I I didn't even know this, but if, if you're looking to recruit students, I'm happy to take it to ICEP students in France or globally. I don't know what you're looking for, but absolutely. We, we have a good talent pool that you can recruit from. So.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. would be nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Well, we'll post the job on LinkedIn or wherever you want to put it. Uh, I'll put it out to the alumni association. We we've had a couple of examples of alumni hi- hiring other alumni, but we'd like to keep that going.
0: Oh, uh, it'd so, be great. Yeah, yeah, please.
1: Okay. So we're caught up to where we are now. Um, i your work sounds really cool. I mean, it's, it sounds like you're scaling up. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's been heavily disrupted by COVID. So that's, that's also nice to hear. But let's talk about, it sounds like you want to stay at this in the future, but let's talk about your bigger plans in the future. Um, it, five years, 10 years, uh, you said you wanted to teach English. Do you think you would come back to work in the United States or do you think you want to stay in France? What What are the options for you?
0: Um, I have a lot of different plans because for now, for about at least four to five years I would like to to keep this job to be able to to learn as much as I can and create myself a network of people of uh, businesses or whatever I can whatever contact I can have and I have so I have different plans I would I would like to be a director of a high school or of a university in the future but for that I have to I have to have work um, um, at least five to six years in an educational program. So that's what I'm doing now. So that's why I need to wait a bit. And plans in the farther future would be to be um, a mayor, the mayor of my town would be nice. It's a small town, but that would be one of the things I think I would love to do. It asks for a lot of courage, (laughs) a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of courage, especially in my town, because you know everyone, it's a very small town, and you're easily judged, and easily talked about, and teased, or whatever, so this is, this would be a challenge, but probably not before maybe 10 to 12 years, I don't know. Yeah. And concerning the U.S., um, I am not sure I want to leave there for good. Yeah. Um, I love to go to the U.S. on holidays really much, really, really much, and I've loved my experience, but it's so, so far from what I'm used to, and it, it also depends on, this, on, this, on the places, but for instance, I've lived um, in New Orleans. I've lived in Miami because I, I had someone there for a while, um, and I've lived in Washington, and if I had to leave one thing again, would be New Orleans, for sure, even though Washington was crazy. But in each place, I did not see myself for, for good, like for, for life. Because of the prices, because of food, because of food maybe, probably. Um, and because of the public transportations, because everything is so far from everything else. And in France, well, in France, you could you could just go through france in one day and and like go across france in one day and in the u.s you you cannot even cross one state in that amount of time and everything is so far and the the lifestyle is so much more expensive it's it's fantastic but probably hard to adapt when you're not used to and i'm sure american people would be Struggling adapting to the French system as well. So, yeah.
1: yeah, you you know what you know what type of lifestyle you like, and it's it was you you really got to know the U.S. a lot. So, it's not like you're <laughs> you're bad mouthing the United States. You clearly mm-hmm. lo- love the U.S. Yeah. It's just you prefer your way of life in France, and, and mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, in terms of immediate future things, we are having alumni association an alumni association happy hour soon for for our French alumni. This will be the first, well, I guess we've had non-English speaking events in Korea and elsewhere, but this will be the first one in Europe. So I'm excited about it. Um, we're actually recording back-to-back uh, podcast episodes. The next one will be in French, pretty much the same material, just a, a different interviewer. Um, are there, Is there any advice you would give to, to an ICEP alumni? Um, you're kind of a shining example of an ICEP alumni, like period, like what, what you can translate your ICEP program into. If you had to go back and tell yourself something, what would you tell yourself? If you had to tell another ICEP student something, what would you tell them?
0: Um, so what, what could I tell to someone who gets in the ICEP program? Yeah. yeah. O- or to an alumni of it. Yeah. Um, first, I would tell myself that, I need to get ready, I need to get prepared to go back to France because you are not prepared for that, for, to France or to any, any country you come from, because you, I considered you have two culture shocks when you get there. So when I went to the US, I had a culture shock like three, four weeks after I got there, but we were prepared for that who are prepared for that and the international programs in the universities are very attentive and are very caring about this and telling you that it's not always going to be easy to be far from your friends, from your family, that your food is, go- is go- you're going to miss your food or you're going to miss anything that is even stupid. And... What we're not prepared for is the fact that you're going to have another culture shock when you will get back home and that you've changed so much during your program. You don't even realize it. You've changed so much. You've lived so much things, so many things with so many different peoples from so many different countries that at home people will not understand you anymore and you will not understand them anymore either. And that can be painful when you go back home, because when I got back home, the three, four, yeah, three, four, five days were really great. You find your family, you go to see your friends, you miss them, you go to see anything or anyone. And then you're like, okay, but this is not the U.S. anymore. Everything's small people are ugly, people are not smiling anymore, why is that? I miss, the, I miss food as well, I, miss, I'm, I want like, to go back to the, to the horrible university um, meal plan or whatever and you miss anything that is stupid as well, but you miss it and it's really hard and really you're trying to talk about your experience to people but they do not understand what you've lived at all. And they're trying to, they're listening, but they cannot get an, an ounce or an inch of what you lived. And that's really, that's, that, that was hard for me because I felt so much alone when I got back home, really. Yeah. So that's one thing I could tell me and I could tell other students there, is that get ready to go back home and find everyone ugly and horrible <laughs> and mean. <laughs> uh,
1: that's funny yeah uh, back then we really didn 't have the Alumni association either uh, i I think one of the delightful things about seeing alumni speak to each other is they wherever they went it doesn 't matter whatever their native language is they kind of swap stories and there 's something that does unite people who've lived for a long period of time at that age outside of their home country um, or at any age really i mean we've've ha- we've ha- we have alumni who are much older than the average student and they still connect, you know, young, old, it doesn't matter. Um, whether you went to Ghana, the U.S. or France, it, it, there's just something unique that other people are kind of, their eyes glaze over, right? Yeah. They're like, they're listening, but they don't get it. But then when you talk to somebody else who actually shared an, a similar experience, suddenly there's like a magic that happens in, in that conversation. And it's, it's really nice to see that happen. Mm. Uh so remember, when you get back everyone will be ugly and stupid. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um thank you so much for speaking with me today, Lucille, and thank you for sharing your story to the um ICEP alumni. Uh any closing thoughts. I I could have
0: like three hours more to talk about this experience so that's hard um but just for you to know that this is going to be the experience of your of your life like really this is going to be the experience of your life you're going to have many other experiences but this is probably going to be the first experience of your life that is going to to make the rest of the other experiences of your life so don't neglect it enjoy every minute even though it's not always easy and and make as much money as you can before going there so that you can do anything you want even though you work for like two years before that's what i did i did two years of babysitting every night before this experience but when i got there i could do anything and Really enjoy everything. Even though we don't always need money to do things, do not forget that this is also somehow an, an, expense, an expensive experience.
1: Thank you, Lucille.